The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shepard, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. It's Wednesday, May 4th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks and Jaguars.com senior writer John Osier. Subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network and give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com or on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Well, we're back on Wednesday this week. The draft is over. And, John, I'm, I must say... It was great to have Bucky in Jacksonville this past weekend for our Jaguars.com coverage. Was he in town? He didn't I show <laughs> he, uh, No, I, I, I kid, Bucky. But uh, I thought the coverage, uh, because of Bucky, the, uh, the depth uh, of coverage and the uh, level of expertise was off the charts. And that's the one nice thing I'll say about Bucky on the podcast. Wow. So. Wow. You got that going for you, Buck. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Like, look, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun, and I will say, what was great was being able to get down and feel the energy. Like, one of the things that I missed on on being on the media side was feeling the energy of being with the team and being connected. And so, kind of feeling the buzz that was going around the building when the picks were coming in, like that was terrific. And then, kind of reconnecting not only with you guys, but reconnecting with the fan base and seeing guys, uh, season ticket holders at the events, and kind of getting excited about. All of that stuff was was really, really cool, and I can't wait to get back down there and do some more stuff. There was a line at one point to get photographs with Bucky Brooks. A line. Yeah, I, I mean, it was I a small line. It was a small line. It was a line. It was a line. I'm just saying. I'm not saying the length of a the line. A line, technically, I believe, in Webster's can be two people. I, I'm <laughs> just saying there was a line. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. That was great to see, though, and, and great to have you here and, and, and outstanding to have you on our coverage. So let's uh, recap the draft class. John, are you feeling better now? You, I know you were uh, – uh, I forget the word you used after the first-round pick. You I was know. irritated by the reaction. Yes. More than anything. I think Bucky can probably speak to this uh, probably better than I can, the level of player that Trayvon Walker is. My overall gripe was that uh, Trayvon Walker was a, a perhaps a surprise pick, and he was perhaps uh, – if you had ranked the level of quote safeness uh, out of the top four or five, he's he's probably the third or fourth safest pick. But there became this, uh, and because of the surprise of the pick, I'll put it this way, Bucky. I mean, uh, Bucky and JP, we went from a month ago in the ozone. All I was getting was questions about, oh, Hutchinson didn't do anything against Georgia. How could they take Hutchinson? He was awful against Georgia, John. Well, then they turn around and they pass on Hutchinson for Trayvon Walker, and it was like they took a guy from you know uh, Southwest Missouri State who was 200 pounds to play defensive end. This was not a willy-nilly reach from Trayvon Walker. If you go out in the league, bare minimum he was the fifth or sixth. You know he was going to be a, a five or six pick. And I think most consensus would have had him higher than that. So it, it was just the whole idea that it was this huge reach, this huge gamble. What in the world are they doing? It wasn't that far out there. No, it wasn't that far out there. I think the big thing, um, and look, man, it, it's one of those things where it was a bit of a surprise because 
early in the process, Trayvon Walker's name was not tied. The conversation throughout the fall and throughout the early part of the all season was Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. Then it was the offensive tackles, Aiden Hutchinson and Thibodeau. And then the late comer to the party was Trayvon Walker. And when Trayvon Walker shows up at the combine and blows up at the combine, then the name really started kind of heating up when you had people kind of tying his name into the mock drafts and the Jaguars and those things. And so it's not really Trayvon Walker's fault. It's not the Jaguars' fault that um, the outside might not have been privy to what the Jaguars were thinking when it came to how they were ranking their prospects. But I can say prior to the combine the night before and talking to people and then talking to people that were close to the Jaguars, Trayvon Walker's name came up and they came up. It came up in terms of his athleticism, his explosiveness, and those things. And in fact, I challenged them on how could you say that this guy is the best one in the draft when he doesn't have the production? And they said, you watch the tape, the traits are there. You look at the explosiveness, the way he puts his foot in the ground, changes directions and all those things. He hasn't been asked to be a guy that goes and hunts the quarterback. And so you shouldn't necessarily ding him. And so that came from a round table of D line coaches where I'm like, well, wait a minute. What about Hutchinson? What about this guy? What about that guy? And they all, to a man, pointed out that Trayvon Walker was the guy. And so um, even though I felt like I was like, I was kind of blown away by the information back then, and I was still real slow to warm to it, it wasn't a surprise in NFL circles that this guy was heating up. And so ultimately, he'll get a chance to prove it. And we should have probably more of a positive or neutral to positive outlook than a negative one because we haven't seen him play and we haven't seen the role that they're going to put him in what's his uh bucky this is not a negative question on uh, trayvon walker but say for example he doesn't become a big sack guy and now uh, by mm-hmm. big sack guy i mean you know a 12 a year where you're thinking of him as Bosa. i don't know if he's ever going to be that guy but what's his worst case scenario outside of that like who can he be if, if he's not that? Because I maintain he can still be worth that pick, even if it's not just a uh, monster sack, leading the league in sacks every year. So there are a couple of different ways, and he's not the same player. But I would say that from an impact standpoint, if he never develops the pass rush skills, there's no reason to think that he can't have the similar impact to Javon Clowney and what Jadavian Clowney and what he was able to do with the Houston Texans. If you look at Jadavian Clowney, Jadavian Clowney, Maybe this year was the first year that he got over double-digit sacks, and I'm being loose with that, but I know he didn't have double-digit sacks up until this season. Um, he was a guy that was disruptive, though, on the backside of J.J. Watt, just destroying the run. He'd gone to multiple Pro Bowls, being a run destroyer, being able to accumulate a ton of tackles for loss and those things. And so, and if didn't coordinators Walker, have to account for him for five, six, seven years when you were there? I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you, you had to pay attention because he was so explosive and disruptive. He would just completely blow up the running game um, as a bull in a china shop off the edge. Trayvon Walker can maybe be the same. Heavy-handed, coming off the edge, being able to stack, being able to kind of move and maneuver and blow it up. Yes. Now, remember this. This division is one that features big-time bell cow running backs. You have Derrick Henry in Tennessee. You have Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis. And even though the league is shifting to a pass-centric focus, you still got to be able to stop the run. And so everything that we've heard, even in listening to the coaches at the presses, they talk about, we got to stop the run. we got to be physical. we got to impose our will. Well, Trayvon Walker certainly fits the bill and checks the boxes when you ask 
the kind of players that you want to assemble on defense. And so we have to kind of keep a broad range view. It's easy to look at stats and sacks and say, hey, this guy's having an impact on the game. But we have to look and kind of feel his presence. If we feel his presence based on the way he's blowing up the run and those things, it's a positive. Especially in this division. We know how important the run is in the AFC South with those other teams and those uh, running backs. Yeah, JP, I know we're moving on, but that's not to say – I talked to multiple people since the draft who say he has the skills to be a pass rusher. I'm not saying that he won't be that guy when I ask that question. It's just uh, he hasn't done it yet. But everybody believes that he has the hands, he has the quickness, he has those tools, just has to develop them. He's got to go see it. And that's why they're going to focus him on outside linebacker to begin things. Uh, the Devin Lloyd pick was – you know, fantastic right when it happened. The the big trade to move up, three picks, moved up into the 27th overall selection. Major surprise. Make that pick, and here we go. I mean, after reviewing this a few days, uh, my excitement has not waned at all. I think it's grown, in fact, since the draft, Bucky, about what he can bring to a defense, yes, on the field, but in time, once he gets established in the league, what he can bring off the field for this Jaguars defense and this team as a whole. I, I, I like this pick a whole, whole lot. I mean, there's a lot to like about the pick. Um, you know, a couple things, and this includes uh, Trayvon Walker. Uh, the Jaguars really made a concerted effort to talk about football character, and I think it's important that we distinguish football character as opposed to moral character. Moral character is like doing right and wrong and all those things that you do uh, <laughs> in life. Football character is about, like, your work ethic, your toughness, your commitment level to being a great football player. It's the energy and effort that you bring to the field each and every day, and how that energy and effort impacts your teammate. Well, when you're in the bottom of the first round and you're able to get a player who impacts the game, like Devin Lloyd has been able to impact the game for his team at Utah, it, it, it speaks volumes. And I think, you know, everyone would talk about Trayvon Walker's inability to get to the quarterback or he hasn't put up big numbers. Well, one thing that they haven't said is Devin Lloyd is a guy that gets to the quarterback. Uh, in two seasons, he's had over six and a half plus sacks. Um, in, in each of those years. He's been able to do it in a variety of ways, whether it's coming off the edge with his hand down, where it's coming from the second level on blitzes, he gets to the quarterback. And the other thing that he does is he is always around the ball. Look at the number of interceptions. Look at the tackles for loss, just the number of disruptive plays. He's a guy who makes a ton of splash plays. The comparison, and I think is a very good comparison, um, to Darius Leonard is real. Darius Leonard's impact on the Colts' defense has been a game changer and so if Devin Lloyd can give the Jaguars any of that man sign me up because this is a player that he can be a monster and just depending on how they're going to blitz and how they're going to deploy him I think he is going to be a guy that quickly not only becomes like one of the leaders of the defense but I think he may be the most impactful player on the defense based on the way that he's able to kind of generate those splash plays. Quickly John the stats from last year 111 tackles 22 tackles for loss seven sacks Four interceptions, six passes defensed, two touchdowns, uh, fumble recovery. I mean, the guy's all over the place. Yeah, and I said it all weekend. I think this guy is going to immediately be a star in this town. He's got that personality that is easy to embrace. This fan base is going to love him. That's not why you take a guy like that, but I'm just trying to sort of give the context of, I think, what this guy is going to be. If this team gets good – around Trevor Lawrence, around what's going on. Uh, Devin Lloyd has all the makings of being uh, one of the faces of the franchise for the next however number of years. 
I wasn't sure about the pick when I first immediately saw it because it was a quick reaction. I had thought they might move up to get receiver there. I kind of wanted to ask Bucky about that. It seemed to me once I looked back at the draft, Buck, that the receivers that you really felt good about to trade up for were already gone at that point. I think they felt differently about receiver than a lot of us did uh, Mm -hmm. outside anyway. But even if they had sort of had in the back of their mind going and getting a one, it seemed like it was too far to move up to, uh, to get in that group. But I sort of think that they liked this even over that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I do believe they like this over that. And I believe uh, a couple of things to talk about your receiver question quickly. Um, guys that come out of this system, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren, having been up in Green Bay, uh, I mean, San Francisco, the, the originators of the system believe that you do not need A-level players on the perimeter for this system to work and work at a high level. And that's a ideally, major yes. factor there, Bucky, isn't it? That's a big deal. Yeah, it's, it's a major factor. Like, yeah, ideally, yeah, if you can have a Jerry Rice type to be able to do it, great. But if you go back and look at um, Mike Holmgren and the Packers and when they went to the Super Bowl, when Doug Peterson and I were there, it was Robert Brooks, it was Antonio Freeman, uh, Andre Risen came later, but it wasn't, there wasn't a, a cast of stars. Go back and look at the Kansas City Chiefs teams that Doug Peterson was offensive coordinator with when Andy Reid was there. Those wide receivers were just guys. It wasn't like high-level star players. They were effective. They worked within the system, and it was great. Even in looking at how Doug won the Super Bowl with Philadelphia, those receivers were not marquee top five receivers. And so the system creates opportunities. And if the quarterback is efficient and effective, the offense works. And so with that uh, in mind, and I'm sure that had been talked about inside those rooms. Um, hey, we got Christian Kirk, we have Zay Jones, we have Marvin Jones. That triumphant is good enough for us to get it done. Now let's focus on building up the defense because the defense has to play at a level to give you an opportunity to win games. And so with Devin Lloyd being able to come in there, having Trayvon Walker, and I'm going to mention Chad Muma along with Devin Lloyd because I think they come in pairs. Um, Chad Muma, as impressive as Devin Lloyd's stat line, is Chad Muma's stat line is just as impressive. And when you think about the kind of player that I believe he is, he was a top five player that I ranked at as an off-the-ball linebacker. He's a player that is very comparable to Logan Wilson, who plays in Cincinnati and was a starter on a team that went to the Super Bowl. I would say that this guy is even better in certain aspects. And so I don't know how they're going to get him on the field, but the combination of Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma, like, if you could have told me that before the draft, I was like, that's a wish list for a defensive coordinator. You got two instinctive, active guys that can do a variety of different things against the run and pass, and they're both high football IQ guys. Bucky, um, how will they get those two guys on the field? They can play together. I asked you about this after the draft because I think it's it's a big point. I agree with you. I think with these two guys uh, – they all of a sudden look faster and more athletic defensively to me. And it's been a long time since you could say that. Um, but it it feels to me like the versatility of uh, Trayvon Walker and of these two linebackers completely changes the, di- the dynamic of this defense where we could look back on this draft as a key turning point for this defense. But how do they get all those guys on the field to matter at the same time? Creativity. And so uh, a lot of this will tap into the creativity of the defensive staff. Um, Mike always has to look and see all the different tool sets 
that he has available. And then he has to figure out what combinations can I put on the field. And so we're so conditioned to think about defenses in four, three and three, four terms, but the game is played 70% in sub packages. So now normally when we think of sub packages, we traditionally think of four down linemen, two linebackers, five DBs. That's your standard four man nickel package. Well, there's some teams that are being creative where you go three, three, five, three D linemen, three linebackers, five DBs. Sometimes you may want to go two, four or five, where you have two D linemen, you have four linebackers that can move around and kind of prowl and do a bunch of different things. And then you have five DBs. And what you want to do is you can run the same, basically what I call blitz patterns with different personnel on the field and give the offense a different look while keeping it fairly simple for your guys. You just interchanging the pieces um, that you're using. So I think you have to tap into the creativity, but I would expect to see the three linebackers that have been acquired in the offseason, the marquee free agent signing, and then the two draft picks, they have to be on the field in those critical downs because those guys are impact players. Hey, you got them for a reason, JP. Yeah, got to play at <laughs> yeah, some point. So. I mean, especially that high up uh, in the draft. This is the Huddle Up podcast. JP Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osier. Uh, check out the rest of our draft coverage on jaguars.com, including uh, Luke Fortner, Snoop Connor, Gregory Jr., and Montaric Brown, the other Jaguars draft picks, and a listing of all the undrafted players who have been signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Some other news this week. Cam Robinson signed his extension, his reaction in a media conference call earlier this week. It kind of shows me that, you know, everything I've been putting into this is, you know, it's kind of starting to come to fruition and it's kind of starting to pay off. Um, far from from where I want to be, but you know, it's definitely. I think we can. I think I can myself as a player and us as a team take it even take it even higher and just kind of continue to build on um, where we're starting this year. So I mean, I'm just excited and for my family. I can't. I mean, it's hard for me to even put it into words. You know, it's a blessing. This is the, the things you've been working towards since you were you know what I'm saying a kid playing in little league or whenever you start playing the game. So I mean, it's kind of surreal, but. It's definitely an awesome moment for myself and my family. Cam Robinson, the Jaguars' left tackle, another three years. Pro Football Talk had the breakdown of the contract, the signing bonus of $15 million, the base salary this year, $2 million, full guaranteed. So that opens up some cap space. Uh, there's a per-game roster bonus of $744,000 a game, apparently. Base salary next year of $16 million. Workout bonuses. I mean, all this stuff adds up and – uh, yes, it Rob- does. Yeah, yeah, it certainly yes, it does. certainly has. He had a big smile on his face, Bucky. Yeah. That's for sure. So, uh, so it's solidified. He's going to be here the next few years, and you can build some things on the offensive line around him, Bucky. Yeah, you can build things around him, and I think they've done a really good job of building up this offensive line. Uh, you look at uh, re-signing Cam, free uh, agency, bringing over Brandon Scherf, uh, the draft, Luke Fortner coming over. They have made it a point to. Uh, give Trevor Lawrence enough protection for him to do what he wants to do uh, in the pocket. And to also be able to run the football. Cam Robinson was critical because he's played in a level that you don't want to let that kind of production and talent walk out of the door. Now, I would say the challenge is, can he take it up a notch and play at an all-star level? It's one thing to play as a high-end starter, play on a franchise tag, and earn your money. It's another thing to take your game up to where you perform at an all-star level. For the Jaguars to be the team that they want to be down the line, he has to play at an all-star level. Something I probably overlooked, JP, uh, and I'm not sure we talked about it a whole lot this weekend, but after you sort of let the draft uh, resonate a little bit, 
Um, you look back in the entire off season, and I thought they might go offense a little bit more in the draft. But then when you look at the draft and free agency, you signed two wide receivers. You signed Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. You signed Evan Ingram. You signed Brandon Scherf. So, uh, Sheriff, I apologize. Um, well, everybody, all the questions I get are, why didn't they help Trevor? Why didn't they help Trevor? Um, to me, it's pretty clear now in retrospect, you helped Trevor with veteran guys. You put veteran guys around the young quarterback. Uh, that's a little different than a lot of teams build. Some teams believe you build your offense with youth and let it come together. Collectively grow as Yeah, one, but right? yeah. we've sort of seen that approach around here. We're trying to get young guys to collectively grow. Without that experience, it doesn't it, it sometimes doesn't work. It didn't work for the offense when they tried to do it 13, 14 ish, mm-hmm. you know, with three wide receivers and young Blake and they never quite came together. Uh when I say an experience was why, maybe it was talent, whatever, but the point being, they've clearly taken the approach of putting veteran guys around the young quarterback. That was their approach to help him as opposed to uh, you know, a young left tackle and a young one wide receiver, everybody trying to develop at once. You got a bunch of kids, raw kids making mistakes, and then they built on defense. I've got to think that now, going forward, they hope to be building this thing together for a long time. As time moves on and Trevor gets to year three, then I think you'll start seeing them bring a young players in around him. Once he gets the ability to carry young guys, maybe that's how they'll approach it. But uh, I think there's something to that, Bucky. I think they wanted to bring in veterans to help the young guy as opposed to rookies to be around the young guy. AP, the writer, the writer is pretty smart over there. The wow. writer. The that's... writer is pretty smart. So I'm going to give the writer some credit like because – Just ask him. Because – because the observation, the observation is a good one. And I will expand upon the observation and say this. The younger the quarterback, the more experience you need around the quarterback for him to develop. Trevor Lawrence is on a path when you take a quarterback like that. What you hope is they start their NFL career as a game manager and they evolve into being the playmaker. And so as he's going through the evolution of being a game manager, the early part of the game management people where he's learning the game, how to manage the game and do those things, you want experience around him because the most important thing you want to give him is stability. And that stability comes in the form of reliability, dependability, so he can develop trust. Okay, this receiver is going to run the route at 12 yards. I'm going to drop back and I'm going to throw it to this spot. And this receiver is going to do that because I can trust that as an as a veteran He's going to do exactly what's been uh, talked about in the huddle in meeting rooms. As Trevor evolves to year three, four, five, and as the money changes based on how he performs, as he becomes a $40 million quarterback and you're entrusting more to him to be the driving force of the offense, then you bring young guys in because they're younger, they're cheaper, but then it's on him to help those guys develop by putting the ball consistently in the strike zone tutoring them, telling them this is how I want those routes to be run, et cetera, et cetera. So John is absolutely right in terms of the process and how it should go. And that's what you're seeing. Doug Peterson, remember, we have more quarterback gurus around now that not only coach it, but have played it and played it between the lines at the NFL level. They understand the challenges that are associated with that when you don't have trustworthy guys on the perimeter and in front because it makes life harder for the quarterback to now have to manage everything when he can't 
you can't just go through and play and play free and lose. There is no shortage of quarterback guru in the building, JP. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have, right. You say that again. They have cornered the market. They, they have. <laughs> uh, the Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as head coach Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. Lock in your seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. London calling after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier. The Dailies play schedule red hot this week. John will be at probably all of these. Thursday, May 5th, Tim McGraw. Friday, May 6th, Erica Badu and friends. Saturday, May 7th, The Offspring. Sunday, May 8th, The Time. Tickets and information at dailiesplace.com. The Time. Heim. Oh, Heim. Okay. I thought you said Time. Like, uh, I remember <laughs> Morris Day back in the day. I thought... <laughs> That we're bringing in Purple Rain. Yeah. So. I don't think so. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm going to see that. Yeah, you definitely – yeah. You're going to be at the Offspring, John, you know, Saturday? I, I, I was intrigued by it, and, I, I, you know, they were a little past my era. I liked some of their songs. I, I can't see going to the whole show, but I, I like the Offspring. But I, I, I don't know if that's my scene. Fair. Okay. So. Well, there you go. There's more concerts to come this <laughs> summer and spring. I'm looking forward to Big Time Rush later in June. Big time rush. Okay. I think we all are. The uh, Jaguars have added a player from the international pipeline. Ayo Oyelolo is joining the Jaguars via the International Player Pathway Program. He was introduced Mm -hmm. to football at the University of Nottingham in the UK, graduated in 2020 with a law degree. He's 23 years old, was in the player pathway training phase, but not allocated in 2021. He was in the CFL last year on a practice squad. Bucky, you know a little more about this program, I think, than a a lot of folks might, honestly. I honestly didn't really realize this was a thing. The Jaguars have this guy here in the offseason. He has the chance now to be on the practice squad as an extra practice squad member in the regular season. Yeah, like teams jump on this because it gives you the opportunity to have an extra player on your roster, and it doesn't really cost you anything. And so now you get an extra body. Um, it allows you to kind of free up some things when it comes to your veteran players. Maybe you don't have to tax them as much on a scout team while maybe developing an international player. This international pathway program is part of a big initiative for the league to grow the game globally. And so – in the UK, there is an international academy where guys from foreign countries come together and they work with NFL caliber coaches to develop their skills um, to become ready uh, to make the interest into the league through this program. Some of these guys have been up. Uh, they've been tested, like combine tested and all this other stuff, so they could be potential draft picks or they come into the league like this. We've seen other guys. Um, there's a rugby player, Christian Wade, um, who went up to Buffalo uh, a season ago, had an opportunity. All these guys are kind of the international players that we're seeing. We've seen a handful of success stories with this program. So it's really, really big. And as the league continues to grow and expand globally, we're going to see more guys get opportunities. And this international pathway program is an interest way into the national football. And Bucky, you said off the air, uh, it, it's really become big or there is a movement uh, for the Nigerian players, correct? Yeah, so NFL Africa just announced that they're um, going to do some things uh, there, like maybe put an academy and really mine the talent. Uh, OCU Manura is a big part of that program. But if you just look at the draft and look at some of the guys that have come through the last few years, you've seen a pipeline of 
Nigerian descendant players kind of make their way, much like Yannick Ngakwe uh, has success in the league. There are a ton of Nigerians that are beginning to impact the league. And so um, the, the league has expanded and they're looking to see if they're more, if they can make opportunity, create more opportunities for the, those guys to make it to the league. And so it's really been a great thing as the game is growing and growing globally. We're seeing more guys have access to the game and that's a good thing. Yeah. It's something the league's had to do because it's, it, it's such a different sport to try to grow internationally than baseball or basketball because of all the, you know, where do you find it's competition to, to play, yeah. for players? It, it's a hard thing to play. It's not going to happen just organically without help from up top. So, uh, you know, credit to the league, and it, it's it's starting to move quickly. So congratulations to defensive back Ayo Oyelolo. He will join the Jaguars actually for rookie minicamp next weekend. He'll be on the field with the rookies. We get to see I him run, run around a little bit. Uh, by the way, the league had their international games announcement earlier on Wednesday, including the Jaguars hosting the Denver Broncos. That's at 9.30 Eastern time. October 30th, that's officially 1.30 London time. The time falls back in London on that day, the final Sunday of October each year. So, uh, former Jaguars offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, now the head coach of the Broncos, Russell Wilson coming to Wembley to face the Jags. And uh, it's out there. It's announced now. So, uh, looking forward to being back at Wembley, John. Yeah, and uh, maybe I will be. I realized uh, this morning when I was thinking about this game, I think it's been since 2019 that I've been to Wembley. Yeah, so that uh, was... 20, we didn't do it because of COVID. It was the Texans game, and the Jaguars turned the ball over on the final four possessions of the game, trying to fight back against the Texans. Yeah, that was uh, one of uh, many pleasant memories from that year. But, but, it, it, uh, <laughs> um, but it'll, it'll be good to be back there. I mean, it, it's, uh, I didn't go this last year. Did you go this year? No. None, of us, none of us went this year. It, um, so uh, back in London, I'm, I'm assuming I'll be back. So I'm looking forward to it. What do you think, Bucky? The uh, Broncos, Jaguars, the Adam Gotsis revenge game again? I mean, he, you know, he was a Bronco before he was the Jaguar. He re-signed with the Jags, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. It'll be interesting because you get opportunity to go against Russell Wilson, see all that other stuff, see this high-powered team that people are celebrating. Some have touted as a team that might be worthy of Super Bowl consideration. So it'll be a great test. It'll be another measuring stick game. It'll be a chance to kind of see it uh, across the pond, see what it looks like. It's the Nate Hackett Bowl, too. It is, the Nate Hackett game. and uh, oh, Yeah, big yeah, one. By Nate Hackett. I'm excited for Nate. I am, too. I love him. Great guy. Yeah. I mean, did Nate always have music around? Because I saw that he says he can't run a practice without music being around. He has to have the energy and the buzz. There was music. At, there was music was all. Gus absolutely. And Doug, so, yeah, there was music. There was music. You couldn't hear yourself think on the practice field here. So, yes, there was music. Yes. Yeah. All right, well, all right. He's, he's staying true to form. The other international games, two more games in London uh, earlier than the Jaguars, October 2nd, the Vikings and the Saints at Spurs, and the Giants and the Packers also at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That's on uh, October 9th. And then a game in Munich at Allianz Arena, home of FC Bayern Munich. It's uh, November 13th, and it's the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. And then in Mexico City, November 21st, on Monday Night Football at Estadio Azteca, it's the 49ers and the Cardinals. So five international games this year, and of course the Jaguars are back at Wembley Stadium. The later the better in the season, London, for me, JP. That's just always been my thing. Really? Yeah. I just There was one year, they had it like two weeks before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. 
for some reason, I love that. I don't know. I don't know why. Just... Now we'll see when the bye week is. A lot of times, it's right after the London game. Uh, the official schedule comes out May twelfth. So yeah, we'll I don't have know that idea. that's a lock this year. Some years I've heard it's a lock. I don't know that that's a guarantee. And the year, one year so. that the Jaguars played after it, they played in New York the next week against the Jets and lost in overtime to the Jets. But that was the year they made the AFC Championship game. So maybe yes, get it back was. To that. So yes, it was. That was probably why. That's yeah. It might have they been. didn't have the buy. <laughs> might have been. Uh, coming up, uh, Jaguars happy hour Thursday. Ashlyn Sullivan in this week for the show tomorrow night. Uh, Bucky, what you got coming up now? Drafts over. What happens now? Well, finishing up the last few shows of Path to the Draft, and so you know, got to stay on point. Just finish strong. Got to make sure we finish past the uh, finish line the right way. And then after that, guys, mini camp season. Time to go to mini camp. Time to go make some appearances at some mini camp. See what's going on. See how the young guys are progressing, and then you get the OTAs and all that other stuff, and then we got the official veterans minicamp at the end. Now, this, Bucky, is John Ogier's favorite part of the NFL offseason, the, the month ahead of Yeah, there's nothing I love more than a good OTA practice, Buck. I mean, it's, it, it, oh, I love it. it really I love good. it, John. You know, it's don't so be surprised. I might just pop, I just might I might just pop up out the ground just so I can see what, I, it, what I, it all looks like. I would like. love to see you. We would talk, but come on. Come yeah, hey, he's big. I get that you got to do it, but on the field, it's a classroom time of year. You're not. Oh no, John, 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 you didn't become you become an A level writer by not writing. You All right. become a better writer by writing every day. It's the uh, same thing in football. The only point. way you get good at football is doing football. You're not wrong. You got to put your feet in the grass. Yes, sir. Yeah. Come on. Okay. The grass is your. Okay. The grass right. is your. Come on. The grass is your classroom. We got to get them out there. Yep. Get them going. Okay. I'll look for. I'll look for. Maybe you can teach me something I don't know. It's always possible. Or <laughs> it's actually very possible. Come on, like we get out there. Bring your cleats. Bring your cleats. We'll go to OTA practice with our cleats on, ready to go. Uh, you imagine John Ozier wearing cleats? Wearing no, cleats. I like, like, I would like, like Robert Sala used to do. That's what we do. Ready to go. Never know. <laughs> there would be a slip and fall accident in the hallway. <laughs> The work is coming. That's right. Wow. On that note, let's call it a podcast today. Listen to all our pods on the podcast page on Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. For Bucky Brooks, John Ozer, and Joe Fortunato, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.